So we blew our budget uh, hiring Michael Caine and Christopher Walken on the last two episodes. So you're stuck with me. I'm John. This is the Mothman Prophecies, a Sparrows podcast. Yeah. Can you shut the fuck up? What's up, everybody? I immediately regret doing that. Uh, this is John and Dan. See, I reversed it. Oh, last that's so kind of you. I know, I'm a good guy. Uh, so I'm is, winning now, two to one. No, I'm winning in hockey, though. Um, I'm, I'm winning. Basketball. It doesn't hand. matter. I don't know basketball at all. Pretty sure you're like one and 12. I won one game. That is the victory for the year. Because yeah, I, I know nothing about basketball. I don't remember who you beat, but, but that, I, person, that is. person is in deep shame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're here with the Mothman Prophecies, a Sparrows podcast. This is episode four, but technically interview number three. Uh, is Are that going to do that every time? Yes, we're probably. Like, this is episode this. But Shout it's out to counting. This. Shout out to counting. Um, so today we are with our friend Patrick Walford, who yes. is from Adobe Radio and the Adobe Howl radio station. Does that make sense? Uh, I think so. Same, yeah. Uh, he's, he does a crazy amount of stuff, so... Uh, we were lucky enough to have him to come in and ask some questions about kind of the other side of music from we're used to being the interviewers in a roundabout way. No, so we're now, the interviewees. Right. So now we're the interviewers. I'm used to being the interviewer here. The messers become the messies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, I don't know what that was. That's a, that's a deep friends reference. It's okay. fine. Um, so yeah, he came in. He was not wearing a sweater vest. And we was he supposed asked, to be? Was there we're, a, we're just keeping the friends thing going. It's a very oh, Chandler thing I thought to do there was supposed to be a dress code. code. And I was like, no, no, maybe we should start a dress code. Next interview is going to be formal. <laughs> okay. Formal attire. Formal black tie yeah. event. Black tie yeah. event. Uh, so yeah, Patrick, uh, he works in kind of the other side of the, the media than what we do. So it was fun to kind of interview somebody from the other side, get his... Uh, from know, the press side. From the press side, get his takes on things. But also he's been in around just about as long as we have. Uh, in the business. Oh, so. I thought you meant in life. No, no, he's only nine years old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think he's twenty-eight. Yeah. yeah so I, we, we touch on that. Talk a little bit about. Yes, we touch kinda, on his age. Yeah, touch on his age. Uh, a lot of what he's doing, and also where he comes from. Also, he's a huge hockey nut. So we kind of dove, dove into that a little bit. And wrestling. And wrestling, I discovered, which was interesting and kind of a learning experiment. 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 That's a new kind of guy. Fresh breath. Fresh breath. Fresh experience. Um, yeah, go CM Punk. Anyway, uh, so without further ado, we're going to dive in here, and we'll uh, catch up with you all on the other side. You were conceived? No, no, no. <laughs> That'd be weird. Also, I'd be much younger, though, which I'd be okay with. Um, but the next morning when I came out, my parents... <laughs> he was conceived! Uh, came out no. from sleeping. Uh, my parents were scared to tell me that he had gotten shelled. And then when he got traded, they were scared to tell me again. And I cried. And I didn't want to go to school. and whatever. But I was like... Uh, eight, maybe? Mm-hmm. At the time, and was like die hard everything halves all the time. That's all I gave gave a shit about. 
And then, so when he was traded to the Avalanche, I became an Avs fan by association, you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's, Habs are still the best team of all time. But, like, the Avs are, are good. Even now, I like the Avs. Like, I like the build. They're just not keeping it together. Are you well saying Avs or Habs? Avs. Abs? Abs. A V E. Like, are you saying, like, abs. French Habs? Like, no, no H? I would abs? say Habs. The Abs? The Avs. We should just say Abs. such a bitch. It's really, <laughs> it's really hard to decipher. The Colorado team. There you go. Or I call them the Rockies. Oh, no, it's a different sport now. Uh, I, that's baseball. Yeah. So you, you were a Wa fan growing up? Yeah, no. I started uh, playing goalie when I was about seven years old. So um, it, it, on one of like those weird stories where like you're starting at playing hockey and like junior novice and our team didn't have a goalie. So our coach was like, hey, who wants to try goalie? And I put my hand up. My brother was that. My younger brother was the kind of guy who put his hand up and volunteered for something like that, but he didn't. And I did. I played one game and just. Do you like, know why he didn't? Like, did he ever tell you, like, why? Like, no. Th- there was one time when we were like ten or eleven years old and playing summer hockey. He's like, "Oh, let me play net. Like, uh, I I need to show everyone that like I was like meant to be the goalie of the family." And warm ups like three minutes long, and after warm up, he's <laughs> like, "Oh, I don't want to play net anymore. <laughs> I want to come out of here." Type deal. So. See, I never, I never. Like, Dan, you grew up playing hockey. Hockey and baseball. Played, you played, played goalie. Yeah. I never did sports when I was mm-hmm. a kid. Like, I was never in any organized sports. Granted, when I was a kid, my parents enrolled me at, like, Carleton University sports camp and stuff. So I kind of did the general thing for, like, a week. You got a little bit of everything that way. Um, yeah. But I was never, like, my parents didn't put me in, like, uh, like rec league soccer or um, hockey or anything like that. I think because like I started taking music lessons when I was really young, so I think that's yeah. sort of the avenue that they and I find that's what a lot of parents do is they'll put their kids in one or the other or both. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I never I never did sports, and it's funny because like I'm not coming from a family that was very I'm not saying athletic, but like they didn't do sports at least from what I know. Yeah. And my parents aren't musical by any means, so it's kind of like they just gambled with that, and that's the route I went. But yeah, I never yeah. I never really did like I played road hockey as a kid. Yeah. But like I, I think I, in Canada you have to, otherwise they kick you out. I think yeah, I think that's like an actual rule. Yeah. Um shout out to Canada. Shout out to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> the homeland. Um So hockey was your first lap then, is what oh, we're gonna get into here. Oh yeah, for sure, yeah. man. Like um Do you still play now? Like Yeah, um, I, I still play like a bit once a week now, but like when I was from You still I, play goalie now? Yeah, I still play oh. goalie as well. Um but I would say probably from about eight years old until I was uh, 21, like I would play like competitively or like right. rep hockey and stuff. So um, when I was like 12, I think it was 12, 13, 14 years old, the team that I played on, uh, we won the All-Ontario Championships like three years in a row. Awesome. Um, and then from there, like in high school, um, in grade nine, I'm like 14 years old and basically the high school team, our high school is just made up of like... Basically, any kid who plays, like, the rep hockey, so, like, kids that are 15, 16, 17, right. they're also going to this high school, so I'm competing against goalies that are two or three years older than me, right. and, like, somehow managed to make the team as, like, a 14-year-old. Like, as a um, starter? Or uh, as we, a... we switched every other game, so oh, okay. I guess kind of, yeah. Um, Tandem, all right. Yeah, and then, uh, basically, just <laughs> from there, like, just got more and more into it. I got to, like, practice with junior teams a couple times here and there. Sweet. But, um, but yeah, mostly just, like, the rep hockey and stuff. And I think in grade 12, I was, like, literally up to playing about 10 times a week because I'd have, like, a practice with my rep team plus, like, two or three games. We'd have a high school practice and, like, two or three games. 
And I was playing like a couple pickup sessions with like uh, the teachers at the school. So and you just lived crap. in your equipment. Pretty just, much. You just, just like walked around in your pads. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't really until I was like... What's that commercial where the goalies would be dressed? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, the I think it was McDonald's ones. or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, or would they just one. be getting off the bus in their goalie equipment? Or like <laughs> all these weird just like everyday stuff, but they're completely dressed as goalies? Well, that is his everyday yeah. apparent. Or was his everyday apparently. Yeah. Well, it took him 45 minutes to get undressed coming into my apartment just with the chest protector. <laughs> yeah, right? That subway ride must have been a... Fuck, kind of nightmare. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, but, so what then kind of brought the transition in from doing that to more music stuff? Was it just always a side kind of passion? Or? Uh, it, it's really weird because, um, like, kind of like John, like, I, my parents weren't, like, musical at all, didn't play any instruments or anything like that. I honestly think, like, a, a big part of it was, um, like, playing video games and some of the soundtracks and, like, some of the EA Sports games or, like... Um, Tony Hawk? Tony Hawk, yeah. yeah. It was one of the um, first that really did that. Yeah. So, like, uh, there, I, I would say I was, like, 16 years old and was on, like, MySpace and, like, um, this band Motion City Soundtrack, who I was like, oh, I remember that band from Burn It 3 or something. <laughs> and I, like, I clicked on a couple of their songs and was like, holy shit, like, why did I not listen to this band What's sooner? That? It was What's just that? after uh, Commit This to Memory came out. Right, too, okay. So. Yeah, I was trying to think of what that, that record, is that the one with... So you said accident. Or no, uh, that's, that's the one before that. Yeah, that's I'm the movie. Uh, this one has uh, let's every, get fucked up and die. Yeah, oh, yeah everything okay. is all right. I only right. like this is bad because like I should love this band, but I only heard that first record oh, and sure. that single, like that fucked up and die one. Single. I don't know if that was a single, but that was no. A it's, it was on a. It was either on a comp or like a warp tour thing or something, or it was, was I don't remember. I know that song, and I know the first record. Like, I got the red dress. That That's song's fucking awesome. That's the first song. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, man. Yeah. So, but just from video games on up from there? Yeah, and then, like, uh, I guess, so I would have been about 16, 17 at that point, and then, like, I saw, when I saw them in concert, it was, like, August 2007, and it was, like, as soon as I saw my first concert, it was, like, holy holy shit, like, this is Old so awesome. Open. Do you remember that yeah. whole bill? Like, was it just Motion yeah. City Soundtrack? Yeah, it was uh, Motion City Soundtrack, direct support was uh, Sherwood. Oh, um, Sherwood. Wow, I had them uh, on MySpace, too. I yeah, uh, The Hire, um, which was another Epitaph band. Yeah. Um, and then uh, The Forecast, which is a Victory Records Forecast, band. too. Wow, that's yeah. like a hit list one. Yeah, forecast. I, I can't think of a song that was their big one, but you'd know it. It was on I'm all those Victory Record samplers. Pretty back in the day. sure I have their CD. You know. I would believe it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good lineup. No, yeah. It's, so it, it's kind of weird too now that like I kind of started as like you know what I mean, most like being like pop punk bands and stuff, and bands like Four Years Strong and like Set Your Goals and stuff. And now it's like the complete opposite end of the spectrum where like you're I'm, on the heavy shit now. Uh, yeah. On all the heavy shit, and I don't know if it was just like. Uh, you know what I mean? Just one day, it was like, holy shit, like, I really like riffs and, like, breakdowns and blast beats and shit, but, like, it just all of a sudden transitioned to uh, mostly lis- listening to, like, heavier bands while still having, like, a, an appreciation for, like, the pop I feel, and stuff. I, you know, and I, I would give you that because I'm really, like, black and white. I love something or I hate it, and you yeah. seem to like just about everything in a, yeah. in a constructive way, though. Yeah. Like anytime we've ever talked about music or even hockey, for that matter, it's like you can break down something to a reason why you do or don't. I'm yeah. the worst. I listen to something I'm like that's fucking terrible, and I'm out. <laughs> See, I'm very uh, much like you. Yeah, and yeah. he's like that too, which is annoying because sometimes I just want to hate on something, and he'll just be like, "Well, actually," and he just like, yeah. "It's awful." I just but flip his world upside down. <laughs> it's also fun it's, to me. It's also funny that like Motion City soundtrack would be your first 
kind of like bigger show like that. Yeah. Because or first band was, that you're discovering. You yeah. Know? yeah. But it's, I come from the opposite of you two where like my family is very musical. And so like, I'm pretty sure my first concert was like fucking Gowan and April wine or something when oh, I was like wow. seven. And like, so I've always been kind of around it, but I, my first like punk rock show, quote unquote, that was outside of Belleville where I grew up was seeing Blink-182 and Newfound Glory and Jimmy E. World at the fucking Molson Amphitheater. Oh, nice. And, sorry? Wasn't Green Day? No, on? Green Day wasn't on that one. It was... Uh, if it This was Edgefest 2. Edgefest 2. So it was Blink-182, Newfound Glory, Some 41 World, was, though. Some 41, Project Wise. Jump, S- jump, freeze. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Simple yeah. Plan opened, Good Charlotte, and I think I'm forgetting one. Uh, and then The Salads played the side stage, which I always <laughs> remember for some reason. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Come on, everybody, get loose tonight. Um, yeah. But that one, I, 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 the reason I brought that up is I feel like people tend to, they have their entry point and then they either stick really hard with it and go a hard left turn into that genre and they live there. Yeah. Or like at least the case with a lot of my friends is they diversify with a leaning towards somewhere. And that's where I would describe you as like, yeah, you still yeah. like the pop punk. But you like kind of everything, but yeah. day to day, you're just gonna listen to heavy. Shit. Sorry, how you said yeah. that? It just sounded. Yeah. I know. You I still like the pop punk. You still like the. You still like the pop punk. You go into the hip hop. You, you know? got a little bit of the hip hop, a jibby jibby. Apparently, I'm Adam Sandler now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I will say with like the newer pop punk stuff, and if there's really any really big pop punk fans listening into like the current stuff, they might get really like upset about this, but like. I, f- I feel like the last couple of years, and maybe I'm just not listening to the right bands, but there's a lot of bands that just tend to just more or less be a carbon copy of some of the bigger bands that are out there. And sure. they're, they're still signed to like, you know, whatever major independent labels. And I'm Which sure those, yeah. yeah, I'm sure those labels are, you know, hoping, oh, well, if this band can do this, if these guys are similar, they can do the exact same thing. Well, Which that is was the business model now. That was yeah. the new metal trend in the early 2000s, late yeah. 90s, you know, it was like skate punk. It, absolutely it's like when you yeah. find something that sells you try to yeah. um like flood the market with as much as you can to capitalize yeah. on that and mm. i mean pop punk seems to be the sort of I, I think it was like five years ago it was like dubstep yeah. it was like the big thing where it's yeah. like everybody was into dubstep all of a sudden and then i don't know it's it just i think what you're touching genres. on too yeah. though is a change because you're like, you're late 20s at this point now, right? Yeah, tw- yeah. Uh, 28 now. Yeah. yeah, so you're hitting that point where I've been in my entire life, though, mm-hmm. where it's you lived through an era of something. Yeah. So now you hit that point where you're seeing the second era come through, and it's not as good as the first one, in your opinion. Yeah. You know, and that's always been my thing with, say, like, hardcore. Like, I grew up with the Cancer Bats. Or, mm-hmm. sorry, the can- like, Cancer Bats in their heyday. Or, like, Cursed. You're yeah. not going to beat that. Yeah. But for someone in my age that is then talking to someone young, uh, older, they're going to be like, no, 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 no. Let's talk about chokehold. Let's yeah. talk about this. Turnstile. Let's yeah, talk it, about... Well, turnstile will be young kids. You know what I mean? Okay. And yeah. so I think that's kind of what, what you're talking about is, like, I've been there my entire life, but, like, where most people are at, where it's, like, the era that you grew up in that was the kind of forming era is yeah. the one that you hold dear. And so anything that comes after that, it's not going to be better. And I, I always talk about, and it's funny because we had Hippie from Monine in here earlier that we were interviewing. I always gauge every single show I've ever seen off of the first time I saw Monine, which was in a venue called Clark's Hall in Kingston, where they just fucking destroyed the place. And I, physically, but also like they put on one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah. And so nothing will beat that. 
But then I hear t people talk about, like, Turnstile is a good one. Uh, you know, people talk about what their shows are like, and maybe it's because I'm now at this age where I'm like, cross my arms and impress me. Mm -hmm. I'm not as in tune or open to it. And I feel like everybody hits that point. Sooner yeah. or later, everybody gets there, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that it's, you know, the music that you're seeing isn't as valuable to you, which I also think that when you finally see a band that, like, does it, it yeah. blows you away that much more, mm -hmm. where you're just like, holy shit, like, where's this band been all my life kind of thing? Yeah. And it's new, and you're like, oh my god, you know? Yeah. Um, like, I remember seeing Caspian for the first time a few years ago, and that was, like, an oh my god moment for me. Because for a long time before that, and like that would have been five years ago, they'd been a band way before then. Yeah. But I'd never heard of them, and I I can't. I think my friend Eric had told me about them, and went to see them in Rochester, and they blew the fucking doors off that place. It was loud, mm -hmm. like I like loud, but they had a stage presence, they had a dynamic. It was awesome. Yeah. And so they're now in I would say my favorite active band that's like mm -hmm. consistently doing new stuff, you know, yeah. all the time. But they still don't beat Monine from 15 years ago. Yeah. But it's just a different thing at that point. You know? Yeah. And I, that's kind of probably what you're touching on at this point, you know? Yeah, a little bit. I, I think I think the thing is now, too, with... Um, and, I mean, I'm. it's always kind of been this way, I guess, in a bit of a way. But, like, it's almost, uh, like, it's a dirty word to say to pop-punk bands. But a lot of pop-punk bands, for whatever reason, have, like, this pride thing where it's like, okay, well, this is a pop-rock song. You guys, in essence, are, like essentially a pop rock band like it's okay to call yourselves a pop rock band like the word pop is in your yeah exactly genre's name yeah you know, like, so like a lot of a lot of people will you know shit shit on some of the you know the older like pop punk bands or like pop rock kind of bands like all-time loan stuff um if they kind of go and try to gear more towards a radio single but it's like this band has always kind of been like that yeah. you know what i mean so and what's funny is i find like especially with the genre like pop punk there's different like people will classify different bands as pop punk like yeah. you have pop punk that's like story so far or newfound glory or blink yeah. but then you have pop punk that like i would almost say is like the get up kids yeah or jimmy Eat world which is only get up kids for sure. sure but yeah. it's like yeah. what more people would almost classify as like the emo revival or whatever you know and it's like what i've always considered that to be pop punk because it was punk music yeah. with a pop sensibility to it yeah so it's i don't know for me, there's there's a lot of gray there where people. But I think that's fun. also genres yeah. nowadays too. Is that sure. there's not a clear cut genre anymore. Yeah. You're not just a hardcore band. You're not just an indie band. No, everybody yeah. is all nice. these. It's like even people trying to talk to us. It's like I. They're like, what kind of band are you? And I try and think of something to compare it to. I don't just like, oh, we're this because it's not how it is. Anymore. Dude, it's like yeah. when people ask me what breed my dog is. Yeah, it's like he's a mix of this, 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 and this. Uh, yeah, the no, my dog, dog is not strictly New York hardcore. Okay, my dog is. I have a specific breed for my dog. It's called asshole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I think that kind of makes. I think there's a lot of people that are in our age group though that probably got into music that sort of way. Did you? Do you have like a like a heavy record that kind of shifted your interest though? Like, was there something that you could really identify, or was it more just exposure? I think I think it was just more so exposure. Um, I'm trying I'm trying to think of like some heavy bands that I really enjoyed. I remember seeing like bands like Gravemaker for the first time. That was re that was really really sick. Um, I'm trying to think if there's like one heavy band that that really stands out to me. Cause it, now there's like obviously a couple heavy bands now that I've l been listening to for like you know eight nine years type deal. Kind but, of watching uh, them grow, so to speak. Yeah, like a, like a band like Architects. I've seen them go from a pretty small band to you know now like. Probably one of the biggest heavy bands. I would say they're yeah. probably one of the big, other than maybe say like Under Oath, they're like yeah. the kingpins of 
metalcore. Yeah, you want to call it. I I really think bands like uh, like Four Years Strong, like Set Your Goals, that kind of like incorporated breakdance and their stuff, kind of drew me more towards heavier bands too. But um, gateway kind of. Yeah, but like um, it, it it's re- it's really weird for me too. Like when I started doing my show and interviewing bands and stuff, like um, one of one of my first interviews when I first started my show was a band like uh, I interviewed um, Jeff uh, from Thursday, um, a couple of the guys from Bring Me the Horizon when they were doing Taste of Chaos tour and whatnot, and just to then see you know what I mean, interviewing kind of bands in between and whatnot, but uh, interviewing a band like Thursday and having it be the first interview for my radio show and. Um, being That's told, pretty, like, yeah, pretty, yeah. And, and this was, this was kind of, I think, the turning point for them when you started to see them kind of slow down. But uh, that was the Taste of Chaos tour in 2009, where even though Bring Me the Horizon was the direct support band, every single night after Bring Me the Horizon played, literally these 3,000 cat venues would completely empty, like yeah. less than 200 kids in it. So to be able to kind of like hear about that and have them talk about that and be like, you know, um, we talked to, you know, the, the organizers of Taste of Chaos and asked them about, you know, possibly flipping us and then them saying, well, if they fl- if we flip to bring me the headliner and put you guys in direct support, like, that's not really teaching them, like, a lesson. They're like, what fucking lesson are they being taught? Like, they're si- they're absolutely blowing us out of the water every night. <laughs> Which is just- crazy because Thursday, for me, is, like, one of the tightest bands I've seen live. Yeah. Um, they put on a great live show. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not a huge Thursday fan. Yeah. Like, I'm a hater of Thursday. Night. He doesn't <laughs> Thursday. I I agree with that sentiment. They're like, fantastic. Full collapse, yeah. world of time. Like I love those two records. Yeah, world of time. I I yeah. hold them very high regard. But that's like the only Thursday I'm like really into. Yeah, and I was a very late bloomer with them. Like they were yeah. really coming up, and I was like, man, eh, I couldn't really get into Jeff's voice. And then I, I think, I, funny enough, I think it was a Taste of Chaos like back, like compilation yeah. album that I had, and the song World of Time was on it. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I can like kind of get into this. And then I like ex- got into more of their, like the songs on that album. And I was like, yeah. all right, I actually kind of like this. Yeah. And then their drummer, like Tucker Rule became sort of like more of an influence on my playing. And then, yeah. you know, just went from there. But yeah, that's I mean, funny. Yeah, I'll never forget the the one-liner soundbite though from, from that interview of just being like, you know, when you have a nightmare of like playing a show and everything goes wrong and it's super bad. He's like, well, this tour has been... A, re- a nightmare come to life, pretty much for oh, us. It was like holy That's crap. Terrible. That sucks. But uh, but but yeah, honestly, I think bands like uh, like Architects and that whole like, I don't I don't know what you want to call it, synthcore or whatever it is. Bands like We Came as Romans and like all those kind of bands sort of got me more into like the heavier side of music. And now it's like, uh, I mean, I would say it used to be just like more like kind of like warped term metal bands that I kind of cover. But now over the last like. You know, I'd say seven or eight years, you know, I'm a lot more open to like, you know, interviewing, let's say like death metal bands like Black Dahlia Murder or like super, super heavy kind of like grindcore bands and like all that kind of shit. So it's like really kind of like a, just like a Pandora's box, kind of whatever. Ends That's up a really good way box. to say so. it, honestly, because um, like, obviously I'm, I've known you for a while, but I did your show, which maybe three years ago. Yeah, that sounds Something good. Something like right? that. Um, who met who first? Did you know Patrick before you met Brandy, or did you know? Brandy? Oh, yeah, I knew Patrick yeah. first. Patrick actually hooked me up with Brandy, and then, at your old yeah, job. my old job. Oh, okay, I thought it was the other way around. Brandy, I thought you knew Brandy first, and no. then you met Patrick. Before. I knew who no. I knew who Brandy was right. because she worked at Underground, and I know Dan Hand very well. Right, uh, somebody we should have on the show. Anyway, not important. Um, but I never, I 
don't think I ever met her personally. And I knew that you two were together, but yeah. I, I don't think I'd ever met you guys together. How'd you I guys meet you? Through Jordan? Yeah, it's yeah, through Jordan. Yeah. Jordan uh, Jordan Gauthier. Oh no way. Shout not a shout out. No, not a shout out to <laughs> Motherfucker. Anyway, uh, <laughs> okay. just kidding, Jordan. Um, but yeah, we met through that a long how time. How do you ago. how do you know yeah. Jordan? Um, so I was uh, This segment is brought to you by YC Drum Company. <laughs> So, uh, the, uh, band that I was uh, just out on the road with, uh, called Live the Story, um, they were touring with a band called Take Me the Pilot and Crystalline, uh, Rock the Walls, like, presenting, it was like the Rock the Walls wind tour or something, and when we went to Ottawa, Joe was friend, already friends with Jordan, and Jordan, like, came out to the show and whatnot, and then he worked at this pizza place the next morning after we crashed his house, and made literally, like, to this day, still, like, one of the most phenomenal pizzas I've ever had. I want to say it was a chicken donera. Just pizza. fucking indigestion immediately. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> next time I visit him in Waterloo, I'm going to have to... Bring that up? Get, yeah, get him to make me pizza. <laughs> it's the place. Yeah. It's uh, I know exactly where it is because Algonquin is here. And yeah. You go down... Is it Woodruff? Yeah. You go down Woodruff a little bit. It's like Woodruff a little Woodruff plaza Quiznos. I want to say like something Pete's or something Yeah, like but it's, it's in yeah. the same plaza as a Quiznos, which okay. I remember. Because Marco, the first drummer in this band, used to live right near there. Gotcha. So we used to stop at Quiznos and get food okay. all the time. Crazy. Small yeah. World. Right. And uh, yeah. Jordan actually, he had showed me. Uh, I think it was one of your first EPs at that point. He's like, "Oh yeah, like I'm, I'm, I just like joined this band. I'm drumming for him. Like this is like the EP or whatnot." And listen yeah. to it. It's like, "Oh fuck, like this is fucking sick, man." Is that the Goliath EP then? I, I guess, think it or? was. Yeah. yeah, it might have been. Might have been shortly after that. But oh, yeah, it might have been like the the, the two little song. three song, three song thing. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which never ended up coming out properly. So that was <laughs> well, we eventually released couple. it as Dragon Hell. Sort of. Yeah. Two of the songs. Two of the songs. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's it? a okay. funny, funny Ottawa thing. But then, I, yeah, uh, I had no idea. I thought it was the other way around. Yeah. Because no. like I, I only met you and Brandy six months ago, year ago. No, not a year ago. Long, longer than that? Like, I want to say, like, I met you in person. Yeah. At the Bovine show. Really? Yeah, it's like... Wow. Uh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um, so this would have been, yeah, like six months ago. And then it's only, like, since September that we've, like, gotten to know each other a little bit better because yeah. of our hockey pool and for, stuff. Well, like, yeah, for better or worse, uh, I got that job and then proceeded to torture Brandy for about eight months. <laughs> and then, uh, now we're friends still, so that works out, but... Um, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was the in-between, in-between job to where I am now, but yeah, it's, it's a weird thing how small Canadian music is, and I don't yeah. think you realize it until you start putting stuff together like that, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, because I always think about, like, the people that I've met over the years, and we were just doing this with Hippie, too. The first time I met Hippie directly was when his son, who is now eight, was four days old. Oh, and wow. I was at Kenny's place because we were recording that first EP and he had stopped in to like pick something up and they were quickly visiting. And I literally sat and like talked to his wife for like probably 10 minutes asking him like moronic things about babies. <laughs> how do you, how do you pick it up? Do you just leave it in there or like, <laughs> what do you do? Cause I'm just useless with kids. Right. And so we were actually just talking about how hilarious that is. And it, it didn't really occur to me that like, Oh, I've known Heppy for almost a decade. Yeah. Like, it's getting closer to that than it is at the start. Because in my head, I always think that things are very quick. But then the more you start to put piece people together, the more you realize you kind of just know everybody in a roundabout way. 
No, and no. you especially doing press and all this kind of stuff, you've got to have like a different line into literally everybody. Well, that was yeah. going to be my my next question because like now you have your own radio show. Like mm-hmm. how did what, how long have you had it? Was it like two years? Uh, Three years. So at at this point, um, as of February the third, um, it'll be ten years of do, doing the show. So really. Yeah, wow. so I started... Was it something else before? It wasn't always with Adobe, was it? Uh, no, yeah. So I originally started out um, on 90.1 FM The Heat, uh, right. which for people who obviously do not know or have never heard of that station, <laughs> um, that's, uh, that was the Niagara College, uh, like a college radio station type deal. So and you I had, had your to, own show. Had, yeah, I had my own show. Was so, it like a midnight show or was it uh, actually like primetime slot? Or yeah, so, so basically how, how it worked is we all submitted, uh, like anybody who was interested, you submitted for a specialty show. And if you did a specialty show, um, you got like, I think 10% extra or whatever. But like on that, like 10% extra, I didn't even care. I just wanted my own show and I got to do it on... Uh, Tuesday nights at eight o'clock, so oh, like sweet. pretty pretty prime time and whatnot. Yeah, it's awesome. But um, yeah, I like had had this whole idea for a show, and I remember it was like a we had to submit like a three or four minute demo, but like I was of this uh, belief that like everyone was going to submit a demo, like it had to be like fucking perfect. So I spent like four or five hours on this like little like two or three minute demo. And, like, put a whole, like, treatment of, like, the kind of bands I play on my show. Like, literally listed, like, 100 bands and shit. <laughs> um, and then, basically, like, the first show came. And I can still remember being, like, so nervous. I, like, go to, like, turn on the mic to talk. And, like, I have, like, a thing in front of me with, like, what I'm going to say. And I just, like, start mashing words in together. Oh, so, like, what Le- he does every <laughs> day of my life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I remember one time, too, I, like, go to play music. And it, it wasn't playing off of it. And I had left my mic still hot. And I just remember being, like, fuck. Oh, <sighs> Panicking no. and stuff. That's but like, um, the one, like, taboo of radio, isn't it? To, like, swear yeah, on the air. Pretty, pretty much. Luckily, it was quiet enough. But it was one of those things where, like, I was really bad at it at first. And just, like just like kept going and, out, going and going yeah. and going and like basically just like kind of took like the rest of college because I was in my first year and just like continued just like interview bands got to do like warp through a press in my uh first year of uh the summertime in college and whatnot and like getting to interview bands like you know like a day to remember and like just band- bands like that who um at the time I mean Homesick was just coming out they were like just reaching that point of like really blowing up so it was really cool Homesick the record the record yeah Homesick the record not, not the Toronto dance party thing <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and it actually it's actually funny enough that that show or that album actually came out like the same day I started my show um, wow so were you in school for radio broadcasting yeah yeah uh, okay. broadcasting radio tv and film was the program so first year was general we did film tv and radio and then the second year, you got to do uh, production, TV and film, or presentation, radio and TV. And you just, you found that, like, radio, I guess, was, like, the avenue that you wanted. Listen, yeah. his, listen to his voice. He's oh, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, like, some people, yeah. like, you know, they're like, oh, I want to be on TV or whatever. Like, have, yeah. did you ever consider, like, doing TV or, like... There was, there was uh, like, some consider some consideration there for sure. But uh, I think I knew just with, like, the way things were and, like, how young I was, it's like... There's no way I would like just fall in or get like a TV presenter job out of like school. You didn't just, try like, to be like much some... music's next VJ or something. <laughs> no, well, f- funny enough, actually, about um, it would be about seven years ago now when I think they did. I believe it was uh, wasn't much on demand. It was something that they did after that. Um, I got to go on that show and they like I was considered like an expert or like an 
analyst of some sort because they wanted to ask me about like about like any labels and like how if you're in a band like you can just like release your stuff on Bandcamp for free and all this stuff and that's funny I I I started two things happened here Uh, work on the weekend there was uh, two people that were in my in in there while I was doing dishes the sink is like right in front of the counter so I'm like talking to people doing dishes at the same time and this girl was talking about how she got asked to be on uh, something that CBC was doing where she was a Lost expert, like the TV show Lost. And she did this whole big interview and they used like one line from oh. one clip where she called herself, I can't even remember what the word was, but it was something hilarious. And then because of that, she got brought in to do a CTV thing where they called her the Lost expert and got to explain all this shit. I don't know how this came up, but it's just so funny that you would bring that up. But that also reminded me of Much Music. I called in to Much On Demand once and got on and Brandy's gonna love this. Requested the taste of ink by the used because oh they God. wouldn't let me play a glass jaw song on there. Oh wow! Because I called in, I was like, "Yeah, I want to hear." Uh, uh, tip your bartender. From, yeah, no, it wasn't tip your bartender. It's the other single from it. Uh, uh, Dose. Uh, no, the uh, Cosmopol- Cosmopolitan Blood Loss. And they're like, "We can't play that." And I was like, "What about the taste of ink by the used?" They're like, "We can play that." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay." <laughs> nice man. So, but yeah, it's, so that's it's like calling funny. into like I remember calling into say like the Bear in Ottawa when I was like, oh the radio station, well, yeah. I mean, like, can you play like this song? And they'd be like, "Yeah, we don't have that." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can you play this one? Yeah, we don't have that. Oh. Okay. Uh, My mom can used you to play make this. Me... Okay, yeah, we could do that. How? And then they'd be like, "How about this band?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And then they just never played. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember one time calling in requesting a song. I listened to the radio for like eight hours, and they never once played it. And you know what it was? It was "Nobody's Real" by Power Man Five Thousand. <laughs> nice. <laughs> My mom is like, and I mean this as the biggest compliment, is like the queen of radio trivia. And she used to win so regularly that they wouldn't, like she'd be in the... She'd be lucky caller number six or whatever? No, no, no. They would always call with a trivia question and she would just know the answer immediately. And so she would win and then like a week or two later it would come up and she would know the answer again. So she'd call in and ring. She'd just hand me the phone. And she'd be like, answer this. And I'd be like, all right. And I'd be just waking up for school. Because they had a like area in which you couldn't call in again, so that you couldn't just keep winning, and I'm I'm pretty sure that happened the majority this of my was life. Before <laughs> caller ID was a thing. So yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But it was just like it was it was insane. Like she won tickets to the CNE once. She won like a film camera at one point. Like she just won all this crazy stuff <laughs> off the radio in Belleville. It was crazy. <laughs> I, I I just remember clearly. She'd be like, "Oh, okay, you mix ninety seven point one or whatever it was." Yeah. What's the answer? And then you, I, I swear to God, they could hear my mom go, the answer is this. And then I'd go, the answer is this. Uh, you'd win. I'd be like, okay. And I'd just like <laughs> hand the phone away. Don't care. I don't care about this yeah, cake mixer. Matter, but yeah, yeah she used to just win all the time. It's crazy. That's hilarious. Yeah. So it was radio always, as he kind of touched on, it was always the goal? Or did you want something that's driven by you? And that oh. way you got to And then radio was like it. the best avenue for yeah. you to do that. Well, it, it's actually kind of weird too because when I uh, uh, like went into college and whatnot, even though music was starting to become more of like an interest and stuff, um, ever since I was like six or seven years old, like I just always wanted to work at like TSN. Like oh, sports. Sports, podcast, sports for course. King yeah. and stuff. That's still my dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Jay and Dan. We love you. Shout out to all of TSN minus uh, Word Dog. Is he still there? What's his name? Aaron Ward? Does he still work there? <laughs> I don't anymore? know if he does. I haven't like seen him in a bit, yeah. Yeah, that guy can fuck um, What's so, wrong with Aaron Ward, man? He has a wife or something. <laughs> okay, oh, well, let's wow. not get into that. That's rough. <laughs> Shout out to spreading rumors. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 
like sports were like were like my first and foremost like interest and one on what I really wanted to get into. But I think like almost like as soon as I started my radio show, I was like, oh, like this is like what I want to do, something music based and stuff. And then as I started to continue to do my show through the last semester of my first year of college and then through my second year and into the first semester of my third year, because the second semester mm-hmm. is like, um, you know, work, work placement and whatnot. It just like grew and grew and grew and just like how much time I was dedicating into it. Like I swear the first semester of my third year of college, like it was, it, it was all like about like just doing radio stuff. And I can actually remember it's probably like a second or third week of September and um, uh, Long Island band. It was, uh, was coming over, coming over to Canada just after they had wrapped up like their American dates on a tour with uh, a band called uh, for today. And uh, the guys in bleeding through as well. And they need through. I haven't thought about that band in forever. Yeah, they uh they needed a place to crash. So I was like, yo, like you guys can just crash at crash at my apartment or where I was living at school or whatever. And uh, that band was straight from the path. And I can remember the next day they were getting ready to uh, to leave to go to Toronto. They uh, were opening for uh, Comeback Kid and Madball back when uh, Comeback Kid released Die Knowing. I want to say I think it was okay. 2010. And like I I for. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, I I'd forgotten something at home and like went back to go and get no, it, and they're like, "That's symptoms and cures." Oh, okay. Die knowing yeah. has like it's a uh, like a bust of a guy. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the album that Justin is really into. Oh, okay, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, funny enough, um, when I was doing my show, I actually premiered one of like those new combat symptoms and cures songs on oh, fucking nice. my, on my radio show. Um. But, but yeah, so I went back to him and grabbed something at my house as they were leaving. And they're just like, yo, like, you sure you don't want to come to Toronto? And like, that was the point where I was just like, you know what? Like, fuck class. I'm not going to class. I'm going to go to Toronto <laughs> these guys instead. So, so that's what I ended up doing. And I think that was maybe like really the point where it was like, okay, like, you want to, you want to do this like for real and as long as you can. So at that point. That's like. The almost famous. Yeah. Storyline. <laughs> you know? Yeah, where you're like a much. journalist and. They're like, yeah, come on tour with us. And you're like, yeah. okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, so so I drove with them to Toronto. I guess, like, at that point still, there wasn't, like, GPS. Or, like, you could right. get a GPS, but it would be expensive as fuck. So I was kind of, like, showing them where to get to the operators in Toronto and shit. But um, towards the end of uh, the end of that semester in my third year of, of college, um, I was like, okay, I still want to do my show. I'm going to try and get it on um, get it on a station, like, do, do a demo and whatnot. Um, so... I sent a, um, a demo out of my show to them and it was the demo that I sent out was the uh, basically the show that had gotten me the uh, best radio show award at school in my oh, second nice. year. So congratulations. Thanks. Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and base, basically from there, they, um, the program director is still the program director this day, uh, Eddie Barilla. He was like, hey man, like it sounds really cool. Um, we'll give you like a three show trial run, see how it goes. We'll go so from your there. listener rating is like or whatever. Yeah. And and like listenership. I don't know what it's yeah. called. But. Yeah, and like the, the craziest part too was was um when I was in college, because it's a college radio station, we didn't have a very big bandwidth, so like our website would like fucking crash or people wouldn't be able to listen if there was like ten or fifteen listeners. Uh-huh. Whereas now I go to Adobe and like my first show, like I think there was something like four or five thousand live listeners, and I was wow. like, holy fuck like holy crap you yeah you're like, like i definitely can't swear for that yeah so it was just like uh it was like i think the first one would have been january the third it was on a saturday night at eight o'clock uh time slot that i still have to this day um and then like 
you know, a three week trial run turned into now like uh, eight plus years at, at the station, and now. Uh, so how did you get connected with Adobe then? So I I had heard of Adobe when I was in college, and literally just sent like a shot in the dark email with like a demo, being just like, "Hey, this is what I do." Yeah. With your credentials of your award-winning radio show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually also, um, in my second year, I uh, did my show on an internet uh, station at St. Catharines uh, for three hours on Thursdays from 4 to 7. It was called Trainwreck Radio. Is this where you're, are you from, St. Catharines? No, Niagara? it's just uh, where I went, went to school oh, okay. pretty much. Okay. And He's a GTA boy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just my mom's from Niagara Falls and oh, nice. Niagara Rock and stuff. So. No, yeah. I grew up in Alliston, which is a bit like an hour north okay. of here or whatnot. But um, the studio that I did my show in, and like this isn't a fabrication or an exaggeration, uh, these guys did a set, they did a sex show on the station called The O-Team. So like I go into the studio and I'm not fucking kidding you. Oh. There's like dildos and like sex toys just like Everywhere. all over the place along with a really impressively weird collection of just like random Mr. Potato Heads and stuff. Okay. So just like <laughs> such a weird combo. I'm intrigued by Mr. Potato Heads. So. And also so, I'm going to learn to speak English soon. There's a, a lot of weird fetishes out there. <laughs> and uh, like there was points when I do my show for the three hours, like I'd be able to see how many people could come in and listen and stuff. And like sometimes I get like nine or 10 listeners. There'd be times where I'm doing like live interviews, with, like pretty established bands, like three or like four listeners, like listening at once and whatnot. But like, I never let it like, deter me or like discourage right. me from doing it because I was just it's felt like, like playing a show for eight people same yeah sort of thing, same exactly thing. so I was like if I just keep doing this if I keep you know taking that hour long or 45 minute long bus ride from Walm to St. Catharines every Thursday to do this and whatnot and just like really kept at it and you know what I mean then Adobe came calling and kind of been beam with them ever since it's been uh, pretty are, crazy yeah. so with Adobe then um what kind of like how can I word this properly do they send you out on things that they want you to do? Like, for example, you guys did that boat cruise thing. Yeah. That was their idea? Or is it something that you pitched to them and then they kind of organized? Uh, so they, they came to that with me. So over the last five summers, um, Adobe Radio has been like the official uh, radio partner of Warp Tour. So when Warp Rewind at Sea came up, uh, we were, I guess, basically like more or less offered like, hey, if you guys want to go and cover this interview bands on the boat, like do some coverage and whatnot, and then uh, do like an hour long special, um, Adobe Warped Radio, uh, Rewind at Sea and whatnot with one of the other hosts, um, like kind of go for, go for it type deal. Um, and I was like, holy shit, like it sounds like a dream come true. And with like any of the Adobe Warped Radio stuff that we did, just getting to interview whatever bands are on Warped Tour, whether I went to a couple dates, whether it was like before over the phone and whatnot. So uh, just with them having that, that connection with Warp Tour and whatnot, um, over the last couple of years, we were able to do the cruise. Um, mo honestly, most of the time, though, as far as like interviews, anything like that, like I literally have 150% creative control. I can have, have on whoever I'd like. I can play whatever I'd like. I can, do you just have like a time frame that you have to fill sort of thing? Yeah, basically. So I Like an hour or what? Two hours uh, so basically when I do my show Thursdays on Adobe Howl, which is Adobe's heavy music station, um, generally the show will be like between three to four hours. Oh, awesome. I, I can play like more music and then the interviews as well. Whereas um, now over the last couple of years, um, kind of changed formats with like the, the version of the show on Adobe Radio. Where it's more so just like an interview with band and music from them type deal. Less less of the conversation right. stuff, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. in that case, like 
do most of the interviews you do with bands, are they like live on the air while you're doing it? Or do you sort of like pre-tape an interview and well, then mix it in with yeah, music? So or do you do a bit of A and a bit of B? Like, There's been times where, I, where I've done it live or I've had bands like with me at my house doing interviews and stuff. But generally I'll either do it like pre-recorder over the telephone or Skype um, or whatever whatever other way or whenever the bands come to town or like yeah just here. do it like ahead of time and then you pre- like you premiere the interview or yeah break it up or whatever yeah because because a lot of the time when i schedule schedule bands and publicists reach out to me what i try to do is because my show's on thursdays and saturdays bands now release albums on fridays so right. if it's a band is releasing a new album on the friday i'll have them on the thursday and then it'll you know what i mean a long long form version of the interview would also air on saturday, saturday. as well that's very cool. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's been really cool with that. And then as well, on top of that, I do uh, like music news updates. I also do some uh, voice tracking on our heavy music station, Adobe Howell. And then as well, I'm the uh, music director of Adobe Howell. So I'm in charge of uh, you know scheduling, uh, picking and choosing, and kind of uh, just curating everything and making sure it's... Sounds like okay. How much uh, preparation do you do when you have a band on? Like, do you do like a week's worth of like diving into their history and stuff or do you kind of just like come up with questions on the spot or do you just it's it, kind of do what we're doing right now <laughs> just like riff or we're uh, <laughs> all riff all the time yeah i i have like shout out to riffs <laughs> i have a um i now it's it's honestly like one of those things where i've interviewed a lot of these bands before and i already have like a pretty big you know what I mean? Oh, like knowledge of like the of of the back catalog and like stuff they've done before and whatnot. And then a lot of bands too. Like I just somehow know just like this is what I want to talk about in general. If the conversation goes towards this way, but right. generally I just try to have it more of like a con- in a conversational manner. Uh, research when needed. A lot of the times I'll you know what I mean be able to listen to the album and kind of formulate questions from that, just from hearing different lyrics. How or much advanced parts. album listens do you get? A lot? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like that he looked at me. Like, <laughs> am I allowed to mention that record? Or uh... well, no, I'm just curious, like, because if you're gonna be saying, yeah, you know, like, say, do you uh, remember, and they have an album coming out in like two months or whatever? Yeah, I'll do like you get like. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm not. I'm not. A gonna, lot of non-disclosures assigned. Not, not even like NDAs, but like, and I'm not gonna mention the labels because I don't want anybody to get no, pissed at me. But there, there has been literal times where a label will email me a record before they've even announced that they've signed that band holy wow. shit and say hey we're gonna be announcing a signing coming up in a couple weeks or even uh, announcing like the record being out <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh we're you know we're gonna announce a signing in a couple weeks this record's done this is the first single we're gonna push just wanted to see like how you feel about it like oh my god so you know where we've been it. signed <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding uh, i'm just kidding <laughs> That's funny. That's I made him sign two non non So it's uh it, it's it's good in the sense of like there's so many records that like I'm super excited about and then all of a sudden one day it's like oh my god it's like six weeks before and I already have this record and you're already sick of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How but, many records have you had to listen to where you're like this is just utter fucking garbage shit and then you have to like interview a band about it and sound stoked. Hey, there's been there's been a couple times where you can include ours in that. <laughs> no, hey, our interview I think went pretty well. Pretty I I, well. I think it went too. Yeah. It, it was uh, uh, there was a lot of swearing. <laughs> the fact that I wasn't as good at controlling myself. Wait, which album were you? This was for uh, after dragging hell, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, so it was, it was before Silence came out. It was before yeah. Silence. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, but there, yeah. You don't have to obviously name names, because I'm sure <laughs> there's been a lot where you're like, oh man, I have to interview this band, like about this yeah. album or, or about this. And but because because for the most part, I'm I'm able to like pick and choose. Like there'll there'll be bands where maybe I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of them, but I know that like the listeners will sure, be super into it. into yeah. a band and whatnot. But there's been. I generally like to go into every interview like pretty like open book, no judgment on the band. But there's been some interviews that I've done where like after I'm just like, man, I, I want this guy to listen back to this interview and like hear how much of a fucking like dick, dick he, he, sounds, sa- he yeah. sounds like. Like there was a <laughs> there, there was there was a band a band from Montreal who kind of did this whole like whoa whoa why is it important they're from Montreal? <laughs> no, but but because they'll probably give it give away for a lot of people. They were like this Christian sort of like electro metal kind of band that that just caught uh, caught wind pretty quickly and this is towards the end of uh what what they're releasing and the album that they were i'm not gonna name names but i feel like i, <laughs> I have two or three bands yeah correct um the, the singer he, he he came he came on yeah okay. it's, uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> their, their singer came on and just like started like trashing trashing bands and shit and being like yeah, like when this band, like we were playing what this band is playing now back in like 2003. And I like look and I'm like, look, as we're doing this interview, I'm like, whatever, Wikipedia or Google. I'm like, he said that like his band had been doing this long and then that band had been together. And like his band had only been together since 2006. And he's ragging on bands being like, oh, yeah, we've been doing that since mm. 2003 and stuff like that. And <laughs> generally it's like talking up this record to be like this big huge thing which if if you're releasing a record obviously you should be super stoked on it but basically he was just kind of making it out to be like it's gonna be a game changer Second like coming gonna... of christ yeah exactly um i also did a really fucking weird interview one time with uh with andrew wk um he's a See, really good dude any other time i've interviewed him but this one time he was just was this on warp tour i know uh, this was he came to toronto i believe about seven or eight years ago and he spent the first 10 minutes of the interview basically talking about, um, he was on tour with this guy named Alistair X who, um, he was just like saying how to like spell his name and where to like <laughs> find him on the internet. But he kept just like breaking it down. He's like, his website is this. No, it's W W W dot. And we just go on like that. Like, it was just kind of, stop. kind of a weird vibe, but any other time I've interviewed him before and after he's been a really good dude. Um, there's been like too many, too many crazy or super weird things that have happened. Uh, this past year actually though, uh, like strangely enough, it's like you, you do it for so long and you're like, Oh, well like this is never, I can't believe this never happened to me. I can't believe that's ever happened to me. And then it does. Yeah. (laughs) So like two times in the last year, um, a publicist, they go and they set up an interview with me and uh, an interview with one of their bands. I go to interview this one band and like, I'm not even kidding you. It wasn't like they were a huge band, a gigantic band. They were opening up like a, a bill of like a thousand cap rooms sure. for tour or something. This guy gave me like literally 90 seconds. Like, Oh cool, man. Like, is that enough? Is, is that all you need? Like, like, thanks a lot, man. Go. Like we, we can do something else later. And I was just like, like, the fuck? I, 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 and at, thinking about it, I'm just like, well, like, dude, like, I'm helping. I'm helping promote like your band and putting your band out yeah. there. If you don't want to talk, like I don't give a shit. Like, like so it's, it's your, it's your, your call, back. dude. Yeah. 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 Um, and then and I think and, that's something people don't realize is that press is good. Yeah. You know what I mean? You should be putting the effort into that sort of thing because they're there helping to spread your name. Yeah. Not vice versa. Yeah, and I mean, know? and a lot of the time too. Like I can understand that. Like 
because it ha- it happens a lot where like bands need to move shit around because you know soundtrack goes long or something like that. I'm like completely understanding of that or if something sudden comes up. But when when the band did that, I was just like, wow, like I was, I was, I was pretty I was pretty impressed. And then um, <laughs> later, Respect. that's li- a good that's a positive spin on that. Yeah, yeah. and then and then later on uh, last year, um, uh, pub like publicist like, hey, here's contact from for for this band or whatever. And I was on my way driving there, and I went. Hey man, uh, your publicist gave me you know your number to get in contact, possibly do an interview. He's like, can you do it like right now? I'm like, oh, I, I was so, prepared for you to say like new phone, who dis? <laughs> <laughs> and and I was like, oh well, I'm not going to be at the venue for probably like another thirty or forty minutes. Like, oh man, I don't know if I can do it. Like, I have to like stay at Merch and watch Merch all night. I'm like, okay, completely understandable. But then when I get to the venue and like I know what the singer looks like, he's like. Talking to girls at the bar, like literally, just like chatting up girls. Wasn't that merch the entire night? So it's like, oh, like I'll I'll know for next time type deal. How? (laughs) But I I never take it personally, though. It's like just one of those things. What is like the ratio for like you getting in touch with a band's publicist versus them getting in touch with you? Like, Um, do you do a lot of outreach to like try to get bands on your show, or do you have a lot of people that? Because your show is already sort of established, yeah. that reach out to you and say, "Hey, this band's coming through. We'd love for them to be on your show." Versus yeah. you being like, "Hey, I saw that band X is coming through. Can I have them on my show?" No, yeah. Generally, I would say it's about seventy percent of them asking or coming to me with like a record or their band's going to be in da- in town. Oh, that's and awesome. Thirty like percent so- me reaching out, and sometimes it's because. Um, you know, the band might have a different contact or, or something that time around on that record cycle and stuff like that. Um, but like generally, even because I've built up a relationship with a lot of these publicists, um, it's gotten to the point where I'm able literally to send an email and be like, hey, such and such, like, what's these, coming up? Or- these guys are coming in town. Just wonder if we can set something up yeah. as opposed to having to send like a big introduction email with like all the stats of my show and how many people listen every week and stuff. So, so that's, uh, that, that's always really helpful too. Um, do you find that, um, I forgot the question I was going <laughs> Uh, do you find that you get like a pretty wide variety of requests? Like, is it, do you get stuff that you would think would be outside of your wheelhouse sort of thing? Oh, or yeah. Or do people kind of just know what you're dealing with sort of? Oh, I mean, I, I don't even know how I get on some of the, some of these mailing lists, but it seems like a <laughs> lot of... You get a lot of Goo Goo Dolls requests? Just like a lot of like independent artists and like com- completely cool. It's independent artists reaching out and stuff. But the only problem is it's like independent pop artists or like independent rappers or R&B artists and stuff. And it's like... Yo, like this stuff is really sick and really great, but like but it's not you. It's not. It's not going to fit on this metal station type yeah. deal. So the crossover isn't quite there. Or... Yeah, but all but all the time, like whenever I get like a publicist pitching me like a newer band or stuff, like I always always take the time to listen to a new band or check new stuff out. You know what right. I mean? Because there's sometimes where you'll listen to a new band, and like Dan said earlier, you just kind of have like that like holy shit, like this band's fucking awesome. Yeah. I want to. You know, help push them to, you know, push Another them as far as I can. Yeah. Um, I, I remember the question was, I guess, like, when you deal with publicists, you have publicists that are the publicists for... We should probably clarify for people that don't know. Publicists are people that will reach out for, you know, some kind of content, whether it be online or print or something. So like I'm not saying that people reviews. listening to this wouldn't know that, but just in case, yeah. I thought it might be worth mentioning. So, like... Publicist would be like people that are getting in touch from a label or about a specific band to then talk to Patrick. Anyway, thank, you for, thank you for making our listeners feel like it. I needed to mansplain somewhere. Mansplain. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, one publicist might be representing like a whole group of artists. Yeah, like and a record artists, label or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you're you're not dealing with like forty people for forty bands. You're dealing with like 
10 people for 40 bands or whatever. Yeah, pr- you know? pretty so you much. develop a relationship with those people yeah. and you yeah. know you can talk to that one person about bands A through J yeah. or whatever. And, and it's and it's always sick too when like a publicist that um, you have a good working relationship with, you get an email of like a new band that they happen to pick up right. and it's like a fucking sick band that you definitely want to, you know what I mean, cover right. and stuff. And it's uh, because there's still... Uh, like I'll say, like for the most part, whenever I send a request, like I'll I'll generally get stuff back pretty quickly. But um, it's just been like a couple of really weird times where it's like um I'll like email like let's say like a major label publicist in like the United States, and they'll get back to me like literally instantly. Yeah. Hey man, like totally up for this request and everything. We forward this to whomever in Canada, and then I just never hear about it again. Um, I don't know if that's because my Show isn't on a Rogers station no, man, or a Bell just station. We live in Canada. <laughs> you, know? you know what I mean. So, so, so that's that's happened a couple times. I think it more so happened like uh, I'd say about like six or seven years ago, when I was still in school. Versus now, where there's a lot more Canadian publicists, and right. um, they've like broken it down into you know uh, certain labels will have uh, Canadian representatives here and stuff. So it For makes it easier to happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, do you do you find that a lot of your uh, content is U.S. driven. Are you getting a lot of that kind of U.S. market based on the fact that I would say the majority of the radio station is U.S. market too, right? So, um, yeah, I guess most of your listenership is probably U.S. based. U.S. Uh, there's a lot of interna- international listeners to places like Japan and like Indonesia wow. and Philippines and stuff. I never it, it's wild. That. Yeah. yeah, like there sometimes there's people who like they'll they'll send me a message to be like, hey, like just so you know, like I listen to your show like every single Sunday mo- Sunday morning at work when you're live because the time difference is Oh, yeah, that and makes sense. Are you reading this with Google Translate? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, uh, <laughs> some, sometimes. I, one time I got sent a, a message and yeah, it was, it was in Japanese and I was able to like just go to Google Translate. That's and so like, cool. Cow, so. That's, That's awesome. so cool. That's very and cool. And it, um, it, it was one of those situations where like um, I was interviewing like a, like a bigger band in Japan type deal for heavy music. And like, thank you so much for like playing this band and you're the first, you know, English speaking interview that they've done and shit like that. And I'm like, holy cow. Baby metal? So. No, uh, no, it, it was <laughs> for baby metal. Um, the band Crystal Lake. They're actually going to be coming over here on their first ever uh, North American tour in a couple weeks. Um, but I did like their first with? ever uh, oh, English uh, uh, Shit. Keep talking. I'll, I'll figure it out. We played with the band. For, well, when we did Stay Warm Fest uh, a couple of years ago, one of the, Cyclamen. That's who Cyclamen. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Because they were friends with the protest guys, and they'd done some back oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah, they're I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're, yeah, they're, they're kind of like proggy yeah. stuff. They were crazy. They were nuts. Yeah, they, they didn't have a bass player either, I don't no. think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's Their so drummer many. was a maniac. Yeah. yeah, there's so many great bands in Japan right now. Uh, on like the heavy spectrum, like Crystal Lake, uh, Cold Rain is another pretty cool band that kind of blend some of the pop and some of the metal side of things. Shout out to Japan. Yeah, there is Cross a, Faith. What? Cross Faith. I think that's the band... That their drummer, his drum kit has like you know most are like when, yeah. it's like fur. It's like he's got a fuzzy drum kit. I'm pretty sure. And maybe yeah, which I is think like so. I'm it's just remember. crazy. Like it's yeah. it's like literally looks like a sh- like a like a fur shag coat, but like his drums are finished in that. Oh well, mind blowing. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you were to what what would you say would are like your top three or top five interviews you've done? Um. I got to do an, one of my first ever interviews, and it was even before I started the, the radio show. So, um, one of sorry to interject. This yeah. could be like either interviews that you were really excited to do, or interviews that like as like after listening to it, you're like, wow, that went like so much better than I was anticipating. Yeah, it was 
no, whatever, no. I don't know. No, yeah, for sure. So, um, I, I, an interview that I got to do even before uh, my radio show had even started, I was in my uh, uh, summer between high school and college um, and was doing Warp Tour press um, because I was basically writing for the high school newspaper and I was literally the only person in the entire school doing it. So that's how I was able to... You get my high school newspaper? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, basically it's kind of like get my foot in the door to start interviewing bands and stuff. But uh, 2008 Warp Tour, I got to interview Tom DeLonge. Um, and he was... People have all these stories and I'm sure when he left Blink and stuff, everyone has the all these theories. Or he's a dick. He's this, he's that. Considering how like big this dude this dude was and how big Angels and Airwave was at the time, this guy could have been a total dick to me, just a kid just starting out, interviewing bands and stuff, but was just like the nicest guy you could ever meet in it. How it worked out too of just like basically they split all four members of Angels and Airwaves up to do interviews and I somehow was able to get him. It was just like such a luck of the draw thing. That's crazy. Oh, I would have um, preferred Adam Willard. That's just me yeah. though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. funny that you say that because I always, I'm a huge Matt Good fan. Uh, and I, you would always hear stories about Matt Good just being a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And he played, it was like two weeks after I moved to Ottawa. This is Canadian Matt Good, not Matt Good. Not Matt Good from First to Last. Thank you. That's a good point. <laughs> and, um, he was supposed to play in Ottawa, but the show was run through the bear, so you could only win tickets on the radio. When he found that out, he rented out Zaphod's, which is an old club in Ottawa. It's now called the 27 Club 27. or something. Yeah. Um, rented it out himself, went out there, played an acoustic all-request set for free, oh, wow. and did that sort of thing. And then I met him the next day just walking by. I was going to Record Runner, which uh, RIP Record Runner. Yeah. Um, and he was just standing outside with one of his crew guys. And I was like, I chatted with him for like 15 minutes and it's the exact opposite. It's the same sort of thing. Yeah. Like you're saying, like I expected him to kind of just brush me off and yeah. he chatted with me the whole time. Yeah, it was like this perception of people. But I, I found out after the fact, the reason people think he's a dick is because he just doesn't put up with shit. Yeah. You know, if you're rude to him, he's going to be rude to you. Yeah. Like any normal human being. Would and, be. yeah. and, and I think too, something that maybe people need to remember when they're, they're listening to their favorite bands do interviews and stuff is like, and I, I, I'm not trying to like talk anybody down and stuff, but like there's a lot of really bad interviewers out there. People who well, will sure. just do it so that they can say that, Hey, look at me. I, I interview big bands or I interview whatever. Why do you think we're doing this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and to me, it was never really like a bit that it was more so just like about like the music and helping, you know, push this new music that people haven't heard. But yeah. It's your love for it. Yeah. That motivates it or makes it authentic. And, or... and I, I hear from bands all the time after we do interviews, I'm just being like, dude, like I was, re- that was really good. Like I, I can't tell you when the last time I've done an interview where we just, talk about our music and um i had on warp tour um the band kublacon their vocalist just like stopped the interview midway through and just like dude like I, I just really need to say right now like this is fucking like the best interview i've done and literally as long as i can remember man like we're talking about real shit here we're not just yeah. talking about some random but bullshit it's obvious that you're paying attention too though yeah and yeah. i think that that's a difference between a lot of interviews that i've ended up doing with other people where they have their scripted questions exactly and then that they it. probably didn't even write themselves exactly well and that's <laughs> yeah. maybe i don't know if this is a secret or not to people but there's a lot of times where you get quote unquote interviewed for things where they just send you a questionnaire and you type out your answers and i always do my best to like type it out as if i was speaking you know, mm-hmm. if I go off on tangents, I go off on tangents, whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's not a recorded interview. Yeah. So you're not having logical questions that follow up. Yeah. And that's like not a to blow smoke up your ass, but it's true. Like, you actually listen to the responses, and even if you have something there, 
you will yeah. respond to that if you have something else that's coming up. And that's yeah. not a that's not a skill that's developed easily, and it's one that people don't have patience for. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I'm sure it's one that you've also probably like grown with. Oh yeah. Doing this for as long as you have. Yeah. Like, I'm sure when you first started. Oh yeah, I definitely have like that. Oh yeah. And now yeah, that you're yeah. yeah, now that you've been doing it for ten years, like. Yeah. You obviously have a formula that you know that works, and yeah. you know how to talk with people more now because yeah. you've been doing it. The practice is there, right? Yeah, like they're, like there, I'll I'll be the first to admit there's there's been situations where interviews have either like come up on the spot or it's just kind of like more like a scrum thing at certain things where it's like bands just be hopping from thing to thing. There's been interviews I've done where I legitimately have have never heard of or listened to a band and like basically there's kind of like plopped on me we're just able to shoot the shit and you know what i mean talk talk about whatever talk about their music and like yeah. they're su- they're super stoked on it i mean that doesn't happen i don't think as often now that i'm a little bit older that like you know what i mean when well, you're younger and you just want to interview as many bands as you can when you're covering a festival and, and i'm stuff, sure you but, appreciate that not happening as often because you'd uh, like to be prepared <laughs> you know like yeah i'm sure you don't want to go in interviews being like i know nothing about you <laughs> so no, yeah. what are we going to talk about you know no, yeah, for sure. And like there there's there's been instances here and there where like, you know what I mean, you might have like a, a pretty good idea of what you want to talk about in an interview and then like it just goes it just completely left. Goes completely <laughs> yeah. out the window pretty much, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's 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 always fun when it happens So, But I generally I I would say probably the last seven or eight years I've tried to go like completely off the cuff or or off the cuff or uh, whatever if you know what I mean, I've listened to a record I know who's produced it songs certain things to pick out it's all in my you head know, song titles it. you're not just saying hey on track six you're saying yeah. on this track title yeah it just yeah it shows your attention which detail. is awful because like i was saying before we interviewed hippie earlier and i'm the biggest moaning fan that exists and even i can't tell you their song title <laughs> i know what track number it is because we were talking about the moaning shows that just happened a couple yeah. weeks ago and i was he was saying like some of the songs that he was like terrified of having to relearn because he's like how do we do this yeah. and he's saying like oh the piano song and i'm like that i know i know exactly what you're talking about but then he's like the second last song on the record and john's like what's the song title and both of us were like because <laughs> <laughs> that's because i'm yeah. one of those people yeah like, like he really can do attention. all of the big shiny tunes track listings kind of yeah. thing like all he remembers people. that kind of stuff yeah i have a weird like box in my brain that just keeps He's yeah. going to be like my mom in like 15 years. Like really good at radio trivia. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I hope so. What yeah. is track four on Big Shiny Tunes 4? See, now they call and be like, uh, Brand Brand Few Thousand. Or you know, whatever it is. If that yeah. was what HQ was, I would be a oh, best. I would no, win every time. No, you'd <laughs> you would. You'd be the king. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have like $400 and a bicycle to share, but maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say probably the other couple other interviews that stand out. Um, I got to interview Anthony Green about six or seven years ago around when Blue Sky Noise came out. Was he eating Lay's potato chips? <laughs> he was not. Sorry. Uh, That's just, it was, that, was a, uh, that was a story that Dan was telling in our that was also podcast from, we did. from Hippies 1, too. Yeah. They went um, to yeah. Was, it was uh, Survive. And Check out the last episode if you want to hear that story. Yeah. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to the last episode. Dan... Uh, saw Anthony Green eating potato chips and there's the whole story anyway so Anthony Green uh yeah he was he was awesome I talked to him for like literally about like an about an hour and a half straight um which for uh a band of like Circus Survive size you would never expect to get that long and like there was a couple times where the tour major had like come to like get him and he was kind of just like no like we're good we're just talking here like (laughs) let us keep going and stuff which which is really cool um and other, other than that, I'm, I'm trying to think of one uh, a little bit more recently that I, that I was super duper stoked on. Um, 
Fuck, it's so hard to pick and choose like on the well, spot sometimes too. Well, you probably have so many that you know it's hard. To, it's like it's asking us, it's like, hey, it what's your favorite show you've played? It's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've I've definitely like, started I'm sure to lose. It feels count. awkward for him to list us yeah. as that third option. Oh, yeah, <laughs> of course, so. of course, yeah. Um, I, I didn't want to put you on the spot. Yeah, yeah I, I guess one I should definitely mention too would definitely be like the the first ever interview I did, which for like when you when you get into this interviewing thing and like you get into doing the music thing, never would you ever think that. Your first ever interview is going to be the lead singer of your favorite band. And sure enough, uh, that's kind of what happened when that's I was like 17 crazy. years old. So yeah. Wait, so who was it? Uh, Justin Pierre, Motion City Sound. Oh, shit. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I sent like Oh, I did. A, okay, sorry. I didn't yeah. realize they were still considered your favorite band. Yeah, but even at the time. Yeah. Like, he's oh, 17 okay, yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's, pretty, that's pretty crazy. I like just sent a shot in the dark email to their Canadian publicist for Epitaph. Uh, shout out to Keith, uh, Keith Marek. Uh, what up, Keith? He, 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 was, uh, he was super duper awesome uh, when I was really young and starting to get into it. But like, I sent like an uh, email request from like my like personal like hotmail account like hockeyball33 at hotmail.com <laughs> hockeyball33 like did not assume I was getting a reply that email yeah. still works please send all your fan mail to him <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so that that was really crazy and he, he was really cool with me too I mean that's I, gotta be a cool one like right away you're kind of hitting that like yeah. stalwart dude right like that's yeah. pretty crazy and, and it, it was cool too as I started to interview them more and more um there, there was another time I got to interview them in 2011 in Philadelphia they were playing like all their albums front to back and just got wow. to like literally just like sit were you there for all the shows yeah Man. yeah so that was awesome they did uh records uh one and two i in the movie and commit this to memory on night one and then night two is even if it kills me in my dinosaur life so wow. being a huge diehard motion city fan there was a lot of songs i'd never heard live oh that's so cool. i was really stoked on that um, that was literally that monine show a couple weeks ago for me like a yeah. few songs that i'm like you've never played this that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's, pretty, oh, yeah, cool. Man. That's cool. pretty cool. Um, and just to, to be able to come become friends with some of them, be on like a friend-to-friend -friend level, is, it, it's pretty cool too, you know what I mean? So well, that's kind of like stuff. your relationship with Kenny and Hippie and, you know, it's meeting, yeah, being friends. year old me is like super jealous of what I'm doing right now. 33-year-old yeah. me is kind of bitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are maybe like an artist or a band that you haven't interviewed yet that you're like still shooting for? Still shooting for. Still shooting for. Or is there anybody like super big, like you like Iron Maiden or Alice Cooper or somebody like it, that? It'd be know? super sick to do like uh, like Metallica or like you know what I mean, like Dave Grohl or like or, or like some of the, those ones that even I would be okay with interviewing. And yeah. I don't like talking to people like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, stuff stuff like that or just any of the you know somehow a couple of bands that have maybe you know slipped through the cracks and I like Slipknot. Would Slipknot yeah. make sense? I don't know. Yeah, like Corey Taylor, I think he'd yeah. be a really interesting guy to well, interview. Well, a lot of his interviews are just fascinating. So yeah, um, he's, he's just an interesting dude. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So like to just to interview him just to get inside his head or yeah. whatever. Um, cool. Like a, a Avenged Sevenfold would be cool too. I, I was a really big fan of them back in the day. But even bands like you know like Jimmy World and, and stuff and stuff like that. I think I think that'd be really awesome. Um, even like um, a couple couple years ago, I got to interview Chris Jericho, but um, there's a wrestler right wrestler. now, uh, okay. uh, Seth Rollins. Um, he's like just super diehard into like metalcore and all that stuff. And I think it'd be really bad. Are you a wrestling to... fan? Yes, I am. Okay, I've been told <laughs> that I'm supposed to cheer for CM Punk. Is that correct? He's not a wrestler anymore. Yeah, no? he's he's been gone for like he's five or six hard. years. Fuck. Okay, <laughs> Seth Rollins is another one I know. Yeah, he's, but... he's super rad. He, there was actually a video came out of him a year or two ago. 
of him like first or second row to Parkway Drive concert. Oh, no way. Oh, like nice. just losing his fucking shit. That's like, amazing. It was, it was awesome. That's no, cool. CM Punk yeah. used to be sort of like the bad. Is he like the bad boy? I guess. Yeah, he, the straight the straight edge savior. He. Yeah, I don't know. There's like yeah. th- there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I only got back into wrestling when CM Punk came back around and stuff. Which I was like, okay, so. Did you like wrestling because of CM Punk, or did you just like wrestling in general and you need an excuse to get back into it? Because then it's been like I think five or six years now since he just like left. walked out I, and left. Like I'll crazy. openly admit, the only time I listened, watched wrestling was when I was a little kid when like Ultimate Warrior and shit was oh, there. Nice. And yeah. it's not for lack of of finding it entertaining because it is entertaining. That's it's what it just is. <laughs> one of those things where it's such. I don't want to say a non-priority, but it's just like my brain is working so many things all at once that the idea of investing into one other thing is just a little too much. Well, it's you know like I mean? instead of following, yeah. instead of say watching hockey, or no, I was gonna say instead of watching say The Wire, yeah, you're watching Raw, which I, I could totally you know what I mean because it's all it's all storylines. Like, that's the problem. No, that's what it's I mean. The it's reason like I watch Friends over and over and over again is because a that's what I do to fall asleep, but also I know it. Yeah. So it doesn't take any thinking. I can literally just enjoy what's in front of me. Whereas I feel like to dive into wrestling now, there's so much backstory that you would have to catch up on. You can't just be a casual wrestling fan. Well, and that's yeah. and it would it's, be tough to invest in that enough to understand what's going on. It, it changes enough now where like different titles, different storylines and stuff. And where, isn't there like different companies now or something? So, so there's like Raw and SmackDown and they have separate rosters. Then there's like... But the, that's been uh, like that for years. Yeah. Okay. There, there's like the... Uh, they call it like the quote unquote like minor leagues or whatever to Raw and SmackDown, which is WWE NXT. And NXT yeah. is... Arguably, like the best one, really yeah. better. Yeah, it's like um, the AHL to the NHL. It's like the yeah. guys that are really trying to prove themselves. To yeah, make or it to like or yeah, groups. or they'll they'll keep guys down there that like they know they're going to be huge on the main roster, but it's like we don't want to bring you up now and waste you and yeah, you know, because you might have to be a heel or whatever. Or we don't want to ruin yeah. the characters, you know, rise and to. It's good now too with like the recaps and stuff you can see on YouTube that like if you miss like a three hour Raw or like a two hour SmackDown. Where they just compress everything for you kind of Yeah. Um, or even just, you know what I mean, just tuning into the pay-per-views here and there. Because like Brock Lesnar is the WWE Universal Hasn't he Champion. he been there for like 20 years or something though? Am I crazy thinking He's been that? there a while, but he's kind of come and go. Like he yeah. left, went to UFC, came back, left, came back. So- so like for any of like the the hardcore oh, stickler, UFC, right. sticklers out there, like the how it's supposed to work with any WWE championship is you have to defend it at least once every thirty days. But like once since, a month, wow. Since like Brock's been champion, like he'll like you know he'll defend it like once like every three or four months, and you know oh, what I mean. Interesting. So the, the, it's kind of the story hook is that he's not quote unquote following the rules, so to speak. Yeah, and he, you know what I mean. Um, and now is Stone Cold still there? No, no. I think. Uh, his last match was, I think, but is it, but like Undertaker's been there for like thirty years. Or oh something. yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, is it a different guy now? No, no, it's same still dude. the same guy, but he is he's broken broken down. <laughs> yeah, all yeah. he's I, like in his. He's late gotta be in his fifties. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They yeah. actually did a match um, in in Saudi Arabia back in November, I believe. Um, it was Undertaker and uh, Kane. Kane's got to be a new person because he wears a no, mask, right? No, he he well he, he he lost the mask a bit like uh, 13, 14 Dude, years you're ago. Way I he, way at this, I'm just basing it on video games at like, this point. I yeah, even I know this. Yeah, I'm, Kane, aka also known as Glenn Jacobs, is actually the mayor of Knox County in Tennessee. No way. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, that's like the whole thing. Shout that's out like to Tennessee. Stephen Seagal <laughs> is actually a cop 
in uh, fucking Florida or something. Uh, yeah, so it's like, right. yeah, that's yeah. the possibility <laughs> that you can or it's, get arrested. No, by it's, it's Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah, it's Louis, or it's got to be somewhere it's weird Louisiana. about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Shout out to Louisiana. Well, I was gonna. There's something <laughs> I want to talk about. Wrestling related? Yeah, and I can't remember what it was. Fucking, I'm just gonna edit this out. It's fine. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. Have you ever watched Lucha Underground? Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's super I badass. It's insane. Love that show. Yeah. Man. Um, and I'm really sad it's not on Netflix anymore because I was yeah. really getting into the first season of it. Yeah. Lucha Underground yeah. is a bunch of luchadors, so like Mexican wrestlers or whatever, high flyers. So they were guys that were doing like flips and stuff. And they it was took place in LA, and it was this whole other. Yeah, I remember thing. you telling me about it before. It's yeah. Yeah. awesome. Well, one of the guys, the guy who's actually uh, Prince Puma. Uh, Prince Puma is yeah. the shit. Yeah, he's it, the best. Yeah, Ricochet. He's now in NXT and is like. But isn't also. Oh my god, what's his name? He wears sort of like the... He's got like black and white face paint. Oh, Pentagon. Pentagon, yeah. Pentagon no, yeah. Jr. Yeah, he's yeah. yeah. He he apparently is rumored to go to WWE. I don't know if he's still doing independent stuff. Because he was in NXT not. for a bit, right? Uh, I think so. I'm yeah. not 100% sure, but I know like he's with Lucha Underground. Pentagon, and Jr., yeah. He was actually uh, Impact Wrestling, which is now like, I guess... Mostly a Canadian-based company. That's right. He, he was the champion oh, that's right, when, yeah. they, when they did yeah, the That's what I'm thinking of. Not NXT, yeah. it was an Impact, yeah. Um... No, and there was one other, what's his name? Something Mundo? Johnny Mundo. Johnny Mundo. Like, yeah. I'm surprised he really didn't, like, make a big leap into anything. Yeah, of... so he so he went by John Morrison when he was with WWE, and himself and his tag team partner, Joey Mercury, they were, like, they were tag team champions. I believe John Morrison won the Intercontinental title probably a couple times, and I'm really surprised he hasn't actually come back into... Uh, into WWE yet, but like he's the Impact champion right now, and he's known mm-hmm. as Johnny Impact. So just like wherever he goes, just like Johnny, Johnny, whatever, insert name and stuff. So Johnny Hockey, fucking wrestling, it's crazy. Like, I've been, I feel like I in my love, retirement years, I'm gonna really get into it. I've been yeah. trying, and not to convince my girlfriend to do this because she's totally on board. We just haven't done it, but to get like the WWE network, I don't yeah. know why I've been holding off on it. I don't know. Yeah, the, the local you uh, have to be home more. That's I think that's what it yeah. is. It was like. The amount that we watch TV is worth spending the money on it. Yeah, the um, the local one of the local promotions here, Smash Wrestling. Um, Brandy actually got me into it. One of her uh, one of her good friends is like the, is the ring announcer, and that's oh. re- it's re- it's really really high quality too. Do it's you really watch good. Ring of Honor? From time to time, I've kind of fallen off a little bit. Brandy actually got me tickets to uh, go and see like uh, Ring of Honor Global Wars back like three or four years ago, and like basically all the guys that were there. Are now with like WWE, like right. AJ Styles, Nakamura, yeah. like Adam Cole. CM Punk. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> um, All those guys. Question I'm going to segue out of this for a second because that just brought me up. Have you ever had aspirations or interest in doing something like, like you do now, but outside of music? Like, obviously, wrestling is another passion, and you said before, like, you want to work with TSN or something. Yeah. But is there any interest in branching out at that point, or is it maybe too much to juggle with everything else you got going on? No, I I think it's definitely something I'd be open up to, whether it's wrestling or hockey or I've I've even given consideration to like esports and that kind of stuff because it's it's rising pretty much right now. Um, That's one I I will admit I don't get because I'm terrible at video games. No, like no. unless you want to play the original Tony Hawk, in which case I'll destroy you. Everything else, I'm no, it's true. You, he, I even beat him. He doesn't want to admit it, but I beat him every time. And um, but that's one I don't get because I don't understand how people can do 
You know what I mean? All that stuff at once, and it is mind blowing. It's because you're old. It it is partially, <laughs> but my my we stayed with my friend Chase and Ryan in Nashville a couple of years ago. Oh yeah. And I literally sat and asked. I'm sorry. Shout out to Chase. Um, and I'm sorry, but I sat there. He was playing. What was the game that was out at that point? It was one of those like first person shooter things. No idea. Uh, PlayStation game. I know. Probably that. like Overwatch or something. It's no. Something. It was spacey. There was space involved. Doom. No. no. Anyway, I'm going to think about this after the fact. It was a big game. Uh, Sorry but the entire time, I was just asking questions about how to play it. Because I don't... One, I'm not really good with the two joystick thing. Like, one moves you and one looks you around. Oh, yeah. Uh, but also, the idea that someone can be that coordinated with just their fingers is mind-blowing to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they're, they're looking at the screen. They're so, not doing whatever. So. so, when you play the new NHL games, then, which for, like, the last 10 years has been, like, left stick and shoot. move... I can shoot, do the shoot. Do I'm not a great deeker. Yeah. Really good at the one timer. No. Uh, but there's there's certain parts of it where it's like I can get away with certain things. But the way I play, like if we were to play together, you'd beat me for sure. Uh, but if I was to get a goal, I'm much better at like nice passing. Yeah. Like that's kind of the way I've learned how to do it. And not to say the game wouldn't be competitive. It's just you would definitely beat me because I'm not super great at like back checking kind of yeah. thing. Was it Destiny? Yes, it was Destiny. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, shout out to Destiny. We gotta stop doing these shout outs. <laughs> no, it's hey, listen. Yeah, really Jordan even said that he liked it. We, really we made overkill. an entire segment around his drums. We'll it's keep really it. Really overkill. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Overkill. Uh, <laughs> Releasing a new record soon, actually. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I yeah. forgot that that band was a thing for a yeah, long time. Yeah, that first track's a banger for sure. Is it really? Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, the question we normally always ask is. If you weren't doing radio or what you're doing, what would you be doing instead? Like, what would another, uh, uh, like, realistic career choice been? Avenue. Um, man, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, for my full-time job now, I'm, I work at the, at the airport on top of doing my radio stuff. That's definitely not where I ever saw myself, like, working other than that. Um, Probably something within the realm of I, I still think sports or some something to do do with something like that, whether it be like um, publicity or you know what I mean, production or anything like that. Like when I was first getting into broadcasting and having that uh, be something I wanted to go to school for when I was sixteen or seventeen, I was volunteering with the local Rogers, which was Barry. So we got through like Barry Colts games and stuff. Um, so like I love doing the camera for that for that and stuff and that was a lot of fun. Oh, you did like camera work for it. Yeah. Oh, very um, interesting. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, also like the producing side of things, like guest booking, all that kind of stuff. I think I'd be pretty good at like a sports station and whatnot. Um, I worked at TSN ten fifty for about a year and a half, two years, and that was a lot of fun. Like I was a content producer. Oh, so. I love that station. I'm not a yeah. Leafs fan. I fucking hate the Leafs, <laughs> but they're. They're better than I would say most markets and talking about more than just what's going on. Yeah. Corona, which is yeah. nice. That's a nice thing. Yeah. And there was a lot of really cool, when I was uh, working there, there was a lot of really cool and helpful people that worked there. Um, like Mike Richards, Dave Bastel, Matt Cause, like those guys and whatnot who really, awesome. r- really, really helped me with stuff and whatnot. But it was um, on top of doing the content producing, I was also doing like a technical producer, AKA like board operator and stuff, doing that kind of stuff. So I got to be the, uh, the board operator for uh, live audio wrestling, which which is pretty cool. Nice. So that was a lot of fun um, when they, when they were still around. Um, so probably something within the sports realm, I would say, if I somehow never stumbled into music. 
have you ever had any interest in the business side of music? Like your wife used to work in that yeah. kind of industry too. Has there ever been any thoughts in that? Considering the yeah. large amount of contacts you have at this point, right? Yeah. Like shifting to the other side, like working in PR or marketing or something like that. Have you ever had any or thoughts about that? Or publicity in the sense. Yeah. No, yeah. There, there's definitely, definitely. Oh, that been, is PR, sorry. Yeah. I'm stupid. <laughs> there's definitely been thoughts of that. Um, there's been a couple times here and there where, I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to say that like I was managing bands or anything like that, but I was definitely trying to help out bands in the sense that like, there's some things they wanted to do and I had a contact, I'd reach out to them on their behalf type deal. So I was, I was able to help out a couple bands here and there with like getting on cool shows and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, uh, like the managing side of things on music. I think it'd be a lot of, a lot of fun and, and just a great experience. But at the same time, the fact that a lot of bands like just lean so heavily on their manager, I don't know if I would possibly want that, like, Burden Stress. of you know what I mean, like five guys that are looking towards you for all the answers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah for sure. So it, it, it'd or be four guys, whatever. <laughs> or in our case, it could be any number from one to four. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> it's always a gamble. No, yeah. Um, That's fair. Like I, yeah. I think that that kind of makes sense because there, at the end of the day, you do kind of come off like a like you said, a kind of a self driven dude. So being yeah. able to kind of do what you want within that is obviously the appeal that's there yeah so that that kind of makes sense um i completely forgot my question i was building to it and then i forgot oh it's been a long day of talking what are you looking at all right so final note here we are all in a hockey pool together uh you me john your wife and then two stragglers we'll say uh shout out to tom brown and christian um it's basically the four of us, let's say, that are taking this kind of seriously. And so I'm the best at this game. I just wanted to point that out before we go anywhere else. I am number one. But I, am only, I am only hours, one point behind you. You are two wins week. behind me. Thank you very but much. But I'm one point behind you this week. Sure. Um, two, one night ago, there was an incredibly fair trade that was made between me and one other player that has now caused a giant ruckus throughout our league and i just wanted to say that i'm still the best oh so that's all you wanted to say yeah that's all i wanted to say about it all right thanks so much for everybody for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> we're uh oh, oh she's not she's not gonna answer um i was actually i was actually gonna call uh call brandy to to loop to her shit in, talk to loop her in here oh god no 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 we don't want her part of this <laughs> This is the only part that I don't want Brandy involved in because she can shit talk back because she's got Tavares and Matthews on her team, <laughs> which is just annoying as shit. Again, not a Leafs fan. Both okay, so players. we're gonna take a we're gonna take a pool here. Um, I have offered John a trade. Dan has offered me a trade. I will read the trade out. We will give it forty eight hours. No, we don't have that much time. Yeah, you can just re give it to me. No, I can't. If, there, if there's not that much time, I because this episode's gonna not air very quickly. Okay, right. well. Oh, man. And, yeah, so we can take... Patrick will be the decider. Okay, right Patrick's going to decide. I'll we're going to try to write us out. Don't. <laughs> so this Dan, is the trade I offered. Dan has offered me a trade. Hold on, let me okay. go to my profile. Here. So here we go. Should, should John accept this trade? The trade proposal that has been sent to me is I will be trading away Mark Shifley and Cam Atkinson in exchange for Patrick Kane and Alex Barkov. Hmm. Now... With that being said, 
Cam Atkinson and Mark Scheifele are both about three and a half point per game guys. Mark Scheifele is about three and a half, three point seven points per game. Patrick Kane is just shy of four points per game, but Barkov is below three points per game on average. Uh, right. That's a tough. Yeah, that's a tough one. The thing is, here is my justification for it: is that Scheifele is a centerman, and I don't have a ton of centermen on my team. It doesn't and matter though. There's no, no, no. No, my my theory behind this is is that I find centermen are more involved in the game, but I have a lot of snipers. I don't. I have Patrick Kane. I like. I don't need all of these people. Whereas Barkov is playing on Florida, he is the point producer on that team. I already have McKinnon, so I don't need that. I need I need supporting role guys you, that make. You have McKinnon and fucking Kucherov. Yeah, I <laughs> like do. how did that work out? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's just like before he was injured, I have McDavid and Taylor Hall. Yeah, yeah. which is also annoying. Um, but yeah, so this is my, my thinking. is that I also have Braden Point, who has been on point all year. Yeah, Like, that was a fucking score, because I'm pretty sure I got him pretty low, too. Uh, 68th overall, I got Braden Point. Yeah. So that would have been, like, last three rounds, I think. So, so, it's, Bar- so it's Barkov. You and- rejected it? <laughs> You're such a bitch! You're such a little bitch! Alright. You are a pile of horse dung. Thank you, everyone, for oh, listening fuck in. You. Thank that you. That was a good trade, and you know it! Thank you, Patrick. You for... know it! Patrick was going to agree with me. That's why you said no. Thank you, Patrick, for taking the time to come and talk to us today. Oh, Shout oh, out no to problem. ESPN Sports Leagues. Okay, bye. All right, everyone. Well, that was our interview with Patrick Walford from Adobe Radio. Uh, always a pleasure to get to interview people that we know pretty well. And uh, for those of you keeping track at home, I am still in the lead in our hockey pool. Need to mention that as much as possible because it's very rare that I'm ahead of everybody. Anyway, um, through some moronic thing that I did, the uh, outro that John and I had recorded for this episode is gone. So it's just me sitting in New York City recording this by myself. Uh, if you want to keep track of everything that's going on, all our social media uh, stuff is at Sparrow613. Um, we're all old, so we don't really know how to use it that well, but we try our best. Tune in in a couple weeks for another new episode. We've got some interesting guests lined up. We're just not sure who the first one's going to be. Anyway, uh, we'll see you all again soon, and I don't really have anything to sign off with. Bye! Bye!